But the saying is, attitude is more important than ability. And I think never has a truer word be spoken because attitude is so, so important. And that is what people look for. Hello world, you're listening to I Love What I Do and I'm your host, Toby Paje. Don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button so that you don't miss out on a new episode. We're also on Patreon, so if you want exclusive content, you want to listen to an episode sooner rather than later, then get access at Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash I love what I do. I'm really excited to have you on, Simon, so thank you for being part of the podcast. A role reversal. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Could you please yeah. start with sharing with the listeners a bit about your background, sort of who you are, what you do, and of course, why you love what you do? Yeah, so my name's Simon Watts, and I'm what you would call a freelance uh, journalist, I suppose, but that's quite a broad description. Um, my background is mainly nowadays in sports, uh, mostly in television, in radio, but um, you could define me on depending on whatever job I do on a particular day. I could be called a football commentator or a voiceover for a couple of days a week, um, producer on other days, sometimes radio broadcaster. And, uh, and as we know each other as well, um, in the summer, a part time lecturer at the University of Buckingham teaching. Yeah, well. <laughs> I love that. No, that's brilliant. You do a lot of different things. So how exactly do you balance it all then? Yeah, balancing is often quite a a tricky one and it took me quite a few years certainly since going freelance to kind of get that balance right because I think your natural instinct as a freelancer is to say yes to absolutely everything that you get offered and before you know it you're working a seven-day week and that seven-day week quickly becomes a 14-day week and I think my record was about 27 days in a row with a couple of double shifts thrown into the middle of it as well which when I look back is absolutely crazy but that was when I started out and when you do love your job and enjoy what you're doing then uh, you don't ever feel like you're really working a day in your life but as you get older uh, with family commitments and I've got two young children now obviously you have to try and get that work life balance mm-hmm. a little bit better and fortunately I think I have been able to do that uh, in recent years and my wife's very understanding and, and you know when I say priorities change I, I still think I'm very career driven but I think that you do sometimes just have that confidence to be able to say no to things every now and again but balancing is, is a very difficult one. Yeah I'm sure but taking it back then to the very beginning because you studied is it broadcast journalism was yeah. that sort of important for you to do and pursue? Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I always, well, I loved sport, but I was never good enough to play football and earn money out of that. So the next best thing to me seemed like talking about it, really. So uh, I was quite, yeah, lucky that when I was at school, um, I got a work experience placement at my local BBC station, BBC Radio Oxford. And and my late uncle, who was a very influential person in my life and who sadly passed away last year, had a friend who worked at the local BBC. uh, And so when it came to my work, experience in year 10 as was often the way then it's a lot harder to get into places now I got taken in a work experience spent a week at BBC Radio Oxford I was 15 years old Uh, that then became on a Saturday going in and literally just making cups of tea answering the phones collating the local football results and then as I did that for a few more months they gave me the the like what felt like I'd won the lottery at the time by getting to read the local football results and go out and report on a few matches and and that was really the very beginning of, of what I guess you could call my journalism career because subsequently after that after I left school I went to college studied media university studied journalism and then when I left uh, entered a, a career 
as a broadcast journalist, and as I say, firstly in radio and then just kind of moving into television uh, later on in my career. But I remember I had a geography teacher who uh, was a really nice bloke, actually, so I'm not going to name him because uh, I'm sure he didn't intend it in this way. But, you know, the school that I went to, uh, you kind of were pushed into the direction of sort of like labour and, and doing sort of, you know, kind of the kind of jobs I wasn't really interested in, in doing. And yeah, when I, I had my work experience sorted, I lived just across the border from Oxfordshire in Buckinghamshire. And he said, well, you know, why aren't you going to go and just work in the paint factory? You're never going to be a football commentator. Given a little bit more encouragement than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I never became John Motson and I've not had that match of the day gig yet, but I have managed to earn money out of watching football for the last 20 years. So uh, I, I'm glad I did continue to pursue those goals. And I never feel like proving people wrong, but yeah, so that was a sort of the attitude that you had back then, I think. Yeah, I think that's amazing that you managed to find something that worked for you. And I think it's so important to have people around you who just support you, whether it's a teacher or family or friends or just someone who just is in your corner fighting for you. I think that's really great and nice that you had that as well. When you're talking about sort of the attitude, some words of advice that you would have then for someone who is trying to balance all of these different things that you're doing and maybe they want to go into that sort of career too, but they're just struggling at the moment to get it started. Yeah, this is a conversation that I have with people quite a lot. He'll contact you on LinkedIn or social media and, and ask for advice. And the, the key bit of advice I give to absolutely everybody is quite simply, you know, you have to make your own luck in this industry. I was fortunate in that I got an early opportunity to go into a, a radio station and volunteer and, and work there for free, which, you know, as I say, nowadays you have to go through work placement schemes and apply like you're applying for a job. You probably weren't, wouldn't be allowed into a radio station at 15 years of age now. But what people have now that I didn't have is obviously the technology to hand and the tools that they have. And, you know, I got my iPhone upgrade last week and I'm sat looking at it now. And I mean, you can take perfect photographs. You can record audio in perfect quality on your phone. You, you can record, you can film things and, uh, you know, with the software that you've got nowadays, you can create content just with your mobile phone and, and things like that give you a perfect tool to practice your trade. And I always think that if you're serious about going into journalism and, and particularly sport journalism as well, which is something that I specialise in, then you have to try and do what you can to stand out from the crowd. And, you know, no one's going to just magically offer you an opportunity if you don't work hard to try and get it yourself. So I always say it's so important to try and build a portfolio of your work to show your passion, to show your commitment to being serious about breaking into the industry. And for instance, uh, you know, everybody has probably a local semi-professional or amateur football club on their doorstep. And my advice is always, you know, why not approach that football club and say, can I start creating content to put on your website? Could I come along to games and on a Saturday afternoon interview the manager and the players after the game or maybe put a few match reports up or maybe film the match and put two-minute highlights of the game online? You're doing something to help out your team and your local community. So my advice is always just find your local football club. You know, I live in a little town called Buckingham. There's a team called Buckingham Athletic here that's just a local football club. But if you have an equivalent of that where you live, get down to your local sports team, find out who the chairman and the manager is and just say, can I come down on a Saturday afternoon? If you give me a free ticket, I'll create content for you. I'll interview the manager afterwards, maybe film the game, put a few highlights on the website, maybe practice my hand at commentary, whatever skill it is that you want to develop. You're giving something back to your local community, but more important than anything, you're proving to a future employer that you're serious about this and you're going that extra 
the mile to try and stand out from the crowd. And you're making whatever mistakes you might make, which we all do, still do now. But at the, at the beginning, you're finding your identity as a, as a broadcaster or potential mm-hmm. commentator or reporter. So, so just get out there and practice those skills, you, you know, because it's not by sitting at home waiting for somebody to get in touch. It's not going to fall on your lap. You need to do something to be better than the next person who, who wants to do the same thing. So, so that's the advice I always give to people, really. Nowadays, there are so many opportunities to create content and to really make yourself stand out uh, to future employers. No, definitely. And you, you really um, made it very clear because there is a lot of competition out there, no matter what you're trying to um, go into. It's just important to stand out and do whatever you can and just keep learning, I think. Taking it back to the portfolio that you mentioned, for people who are applying for roles within sports journalism, what would you say are some key things they need to have when they're applying? Obviously, a knowledge of sports. But I also think um, a knowledge of the audience of, say, the station that you're trying to get involved with uh, and their output. I do find it incredible that people may say, I want to be a sports reporter and I want to commentate on, on BBC Radio 5 Live or on TalkSport. But do they listen to the output? Do they know kind of things the kind of guests the kind of people they have on the program and and have that knowledge and that understanding but aside from that there isn't really any hard and fast rule everybody sort of has their own style really so I would sort of say the other a bit of advice is don't try and replicate someone else don't try to be like okay yeah we all have football commentators that we probably listen to and and aspire to be like but but don't necessarily try and model yourself on them find your own identity that you're happy with and bring your personality into it what I love about doing sport and I did spend spend many years working in news journalism and I still do bits of news now but the great thing about sport is and we found this out I think during the pandemic actually you know it is a great escape it's entertainment it's fun it's not life or death as serious as we might take our team winning on a Saturday afternoon it is a great escape and people go to sport on a Saturday because they want to be entertained so I think also remember that and remember your audience is there to be entertained as well so don't be afraid to add a bit of your personality to it as well that's that's probably the best advice but you know there's a football saying that I learned and it stuck with me a few years ago and it was a football manager that said this when referring to to his players and I actually think this is really true for journalism because you say about the competition being really fierce out there but the saying is attitude is more important than ability and I think never has a truer word be spoken because attitude is so so important and that is what people look for and I do and maybe I'm a little bit old school these days but <laughs> I do sometimes look at, at some of the younger generation and think you need to have that motivation you really need to have that desire to succeed. I just want to draw your attention to this really quickly, as Simon mentioned, attitude. Attitude is really about how you approach things. And yes, in this podcast, we're talking about careers, but it can be anything really in your life. If you want to succeed, you have to have the right attitude, a mindset that's strong to see your passion through, because there will most likely be hard times where you may want to give up. But with the right attitude, you will find it easier. Not easy, but easier. Okay, now back to the show. Sometimes, every now and again, I don't necessarily see that in in people. You know, attitude will get you so far because when you're starting out, people aren't going to expect you to be perfect, be able to do the job perfectly. But if you have a good attitude and show a willingness to learn, then people will invest their time in you because they know that you're keen and they know that you want to develop and get better. 
But for you then, where do you go to for inspiration or or motivation? Oh, that's a that's a deep question for a Monday <laughs> morning. Um, who do I go to for motivation and inspiration? I mean, I have a couple of people who were sort of like mentors for me, I suppose, growing up. And as I mentioned, the very first person who employed me at the local BBC in Oxford. 20 odd years ago uh, is still there to this day and we still speak a lot uh, Jerome is his name whenever I need any sort of real advice my uncle was as I mentioned sadly he passed away last year which was obviously quite difficult because he was like my best friend as well as uh, oh, as my great. uncle our relationship went went far further than that's a sort of in tribute to him I'd have to to mention him really because he he followed my career very closely and in, in a weird oh, sort of full circle since he passed away I've actually been helping to do his job for the first time in my life outside of journalism otherwise yes I'd say he's obviously a very inspirational figure and without sounding too cheesy as well I would say <laughs> having children has certainly changed my perspective as well mm-hmm. because you know at the end of the day they are so good if you've had a bad day in the office of bringing you back down to earth as soon as you walk through that door because quite frankly they don't care who I've interviewed or what might have fallen through and what football commentary I was doing that day because when you walk through the door you're just dad aren't you and so it doesn't actually really matter what you've achieved that day in a work environment and I found that very uh very humbling yeah no of course I'm sure that would definitely change things you did mention about priorities and how things like that will change especially when you do have a family just in regards to university then because you did study broadcast journalism would you say someone who wants to go into sports journalism or just go into the journalism industry is it essential to go to university to study if I'm yeah if I'm speaking with my lecturer head on and um, I'm trying to persuade aspiring students to come to the <laughs> University of Buckingham I'd say absolutely yes, yes. is it essential no And I know a lot of journalists who didn't go through the university system. However, what I would say is that future employers now, particularly the big employers like your BBCs, your Skies, etc., they look for a journalistic qualification because obviously when you study journalism, it's law, it's ethics, it's all the things that come with being a journalist. And even if you're working in a sports environment, you know, there are a lot of political stories in sports. You need to know your media law as a journalist. So that's where it stands you in good stead. I had three years in Leeds at the University of Leeds and had the most amazing time ever. What an awesome city. My best man at my wedding was one of my mates on my course and vice versa. I was the same for him. I also worked at the local BBC while I was up there at BBC Radio Leeds. And I would say that was as valuable, if not more valuable, than probably the university. But I would never, ever take those university years for granted. And I'd never take them away because, yeah, they did mould me and stand me in good stead. And uh, as you well know, because, yeah, we worked together at the university. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, uni's much, uni is much more than, I think, just the education. You know, experience, yeah help you as a person doesn't it as well so their life skills learn yeah and you can't forget them they will follow you forever i definitely can say that from um, simon being one of my lecturers with um using the tools available to you for someone who wants to go into um sports journalism or news journalism or anything like that would you say social media could be a, a place where they could start to use those skills or develop them and get themselves in front of people 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a platform to showcase your work. And I see this now, you know, influencers are exactly as they say, really, you know, people who, you know, we see a lot of influencers now in the mainstream media and, you know, a lot offering up opinions on their specific subject areas. You know, there's a couple of guys that I know who created a podcast for League Football called the Not The Top 20 podcast, basically for League One, League Two Championship, just below the Premier League. Uh, And they've built a profile and they were just mates who created this podcast five or six years ago now now you'll see them appearing in quite a few different places they make a living out of it talking about football and and they did that as as uh, a labor of love I suppose just creating a podcast because they wanted to um so things like that I think give you a great it's just about creating I say a portfolio and whether that's being showcased on social media whether you create your own website or whether you do it through a third party as I say through maybe helping a local sports team or sports person with their social media um, and their websites and and promoting them it's all feeds back into one thing when you go for that job opportunity and they say so you want to be I don't know a reporter at such and such tell me tell me what you've done to uh, showcase you know why you're so passionate about it and if you can have that that material readily available to show them I think that's going to put you in a, a really massive, massive advantage compared to others, really. With your sort of experience, because you have been doing it for so long, what would you say are just maybe three top tips that you would give to someone who's trying to approach journalism today? Three top tips. First of all, do your research. So if I've had people contact me before and straight away you can tell it's a copy and paste that they've probably sent to numerous other people. Yeah, it's so generic and it's not specific. And some of the questions that you get asked aren't even relevant to what you do. So don't be lazy. Don't cut corners. You know, if you come, if, if I'm used to people cold calling me or contacting me out of the blue, and I'm always happy to help people. I genuinely believe, and I think this is one of the mottos that I used to say when we were lecturing five years ago at the uni, that, you know, you literally one day you could be my boss. So, you know, always be nice to people on their way up because they could be employing you in the future. I genuinely believe in that. Then do do your due diligence and a little bit of research. So you're asking them relevant questions because otherwise you will get ignored or people will just think you know this person's an idiot basically if they can't even figure out I'm not a newspaper journalist or something like that (laughs) so that's my my first advice just just you know before just copying and pasting a generic email that you send to 10 people just try and make it bespoke so that it's targeted and more personable secondly don't think about the money as I say if you want to be rich if you want to live in a big house journalism's maybe not a career to look at but if you want to enjoy pretty much every day at work And if you want to have a job that is never the same every day, then I'd say journalism, you know, is for you. There are lots of reasons why we do journalism. Lots of people will do news journalism because they're so passionate about politics and current affairs, you know, because they might have another vocation that they get to report on as a journalist, like music and things like that. And in my case, sports. But don't have high expectations. You know, this is a labour of love. Um, It takes a lot of work, probably for nothing in order to to get yourself on the ladder and start getting paid work. I always say this, you know, if you get offered the opportunity to go into your local radio station for free to help out on the breakfast show, but you have to be out of bed at four o'clock every morning to go in and answer the phones on the breakfast show for free, for nothing, you know, if that excites you, then you've got what it takes. Mm. Oh, my God. 
I can't, I, no way am I getting up at 4am for no money, mm-hmm. then it probably isn't for you. Because, you know, you have to either be incredibly lucky or, yeah, maybe know somebody in the right places to get you in. But ultimately, I don't think there are any real shortcuts to climb the ladder. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a third, actually. But uh, I think, you know, maybe those two are, are all in No, that's great. Uh, that's great advice. I think also when you spoke about just being nice, I think it's so simple, but it's so true. And it, it makes sense because you just never know. And um, it's important to, if you want to build those sort of relationships and think about your future, just remember to be a kind person and treat people how you wish to be treated. So that is Absolutely. great advice. You've covered a lot of, um, well, you've provided a lot of soccer voiceover. So is there any chance mm. of you covering the Super Bowl? Uh, Super Bowl, no. I'm going to be uh, with my friends sat at a table oh. in Winkings in Milton Keynes, actually. So, uh, oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so. NFL isn't an area that I've ventured into. I like American mm-hmm. sports, more baseball, actually, but I do find the NFL is one that you either you either have that knowledge or you don't. And, you know, Different, I know people it? really geek out on the Super yeah. Bowl and I haven't really. And I'm a sports journalist and I hate to say it, but I haven't got a clue <laughs> what they're talking about. So, yeah, I think that oh, one's a little bit above my station. <laughs> <laughs> Completely honest. You created a documentary that I want to talk about. That aired on Sky called Out of Contract. Yeah. Was that back in 2016? It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. You produced and voiced it for Sky Sports. So could you just talk about it for those who don't know about it? Because I think it does sound very, very exciting. And it would be nice to kind of know how you managed to get that on there for the world to see. Yeah, yeah. No, that's obviously one of, for me, one of my proudest achievements so far. And subsequently, I've gone on to work on a few other documentaries, a couple of quite high profile ones since then as well, which um, all came from sort of doing this one originally but uh yeah at that time around about 2015 sky had their own sports documentary department so they just invited pitches from people really and this was an idea that would you believe i actually had when i was at university back in 2003 oh, wow. and for our dissertation okay. we had to come up with a documentary idea and my idea was to follow some out of contract footballers so basically players who at the end of the season their contract mm-hmm. ran out and they don't get renewed and you could go from for instance one of the players we had was a young player who'd been at top level uh, one of the top clubs in the country, and uh, he got released and couldn't find a team. So I thought it didn't glamour of professional football, but there's you know there's another side to it as well, which isn't so glamorous. And uh, the concept, I guess, 12 years later, still stood. And I took it to them, not really with any great expectations, and then just randomly on my birthday, would you believe, which was a bit strange, got an email mm. from a guy saying, "Should we have a cup of coffee and and a chat about your idea?" and we sat down and to my massive surprise, he commissioned it there and then. So um, amazing. that was a, a random stroke of luck, I would say. And you don't always get a lot of luck. And trust me, even when you've been doing it for a lot of years like me, the amount of emails you send to people and you don't even get a reply. Uh, so this was, yeah, amazing, really. And, yeah, I got to make it. The guy I worked with, we just got on really, really well. We got to fly to India to follow a player who had to go to India to carry on his football career. So we went and spent some time in Bangalore, which was obviously a great life experience. Yes, of course. Um, Yeah, it took about six months to make and it aired in late 2016. Unfortunately, even though it was really well received and we got some good reviews and um, lots of nice things said about it, by the time we'd finished making it, 
the sport documentary department at Sky had been disbanded. So even though it was on the one hand a success, I knew I wasn't going to make any more documentaries with them. But uh, So that was a shame. But I, mm. I'm just glad I managed to have the opportunity to do it. And as you say, I managed to voice it. Yes. Um, and it was pretty much my idea and concept and, you know, got a really good relationship going with the players that featured in it as well. So it was just a, a really amazing it's a great achievement and congratulations again on that what did you learn from being a part of it yeah one of the lessons I learned is you know they paid me a fee for it which was obviously great but um I should have probably asked for a commission-based one because it kept getting repeated a couple of times a week for the next year and I thought I probably would have made more money that way but you live Mm -hmm. and learn um but it wasn't about the money it was never about the money it was about the experience of making it and uh yeah i mean long form content is just so different because i've worked for years and years in the hand-to-mouth environment of news where you know you're working on a day-to-day basis you're always working against the clock whereby on a documentary it's just kind of a natural you know it, it it didn't follow a particular script or plan. It was unscripted. So it was sort of a strangely liberating, but also it just felt very weird because we didn't know the end game for all of the players. We had five players that we followed and we genuinely didn't know what was going to happen to all of them. And some had good endings, some found clubs, but others didn't. And others had to go and get jobs. And, you know, one particular guy who we followed is a good mate of mine. We, we'd actually, I've been friends with him for the last 10 years and he got released by Leighton Orient and ended up just dropping out of football altogether. And actually, studying law which was a good story in itself um but obviously seeing your somebody you know and you're actually quite close to um going through what was a personally difficult time in their Mm. life and documenting it for a tv show um was was quite tough because you you emotionally invest in in your people that you're working with and you're you're rooting for them so as i say with all of the players that we featured i'm sort of still in touch with all of them pretty much now so that's uh, yeah it's um and some of them are still playing others have retired but yeah mm-hmm. it, and it was but it was just a great experience and yeah to work on something like that was was amazing really and it just as i say you know you, you have a lot of highs and a lot of lows doing doing this job and so you know that when you get something like that you, you just feel very lucky really and that's all it was it was luck in the right place at the right time because if i came up with that idea now I wouldn't get it commissioned because there's no one to commission it. So it was just pure luck, really. And weirdly, just an idea that I'd had 12 years earlier when I was still a student. Yeah, and that's something I did want to mention, the fact that you had the idea so early on. I think it's such a great lesson for people to understand, you know, keep these ideas somewhere. Like, don't forget about them. You never know where they could take you in the future. And it definitely took you somewhere. And as you said, it's one of your proudest achievements. So that is really, really wonderful to hear. So just then thinking about those difficult times that you've mentioned and sometimes how this job can take you to different places, how do you keep yourself together when um, you're working on all all of these different things? Yeah, it's something I'm quite passionate about and quite acutely aware of because certainly it through the first pandemic where like most freelancers in all industries you know my work overnight just disappeared basically you know football and all sport ground to a halt mid-march and for the next three or four months I had nothing and you yeah that opened my eyes to the sort of vulnerability of the industry that we're in now I was quite lucky because it meant I got extra time with my family and we just made the most of it and turned it into a positive but whilst I was off I volunteered and did some work 
uh, for the film and TV charity who do amazing things for people in the industry. And uh, I didn't know a great deal about them uh, prior to the pandemic, then heard about them um, and just looked at what they did. And I ended up answering phones to people on like a crisis sort of number, basically, who you know needed grants or financial support through, you know, the obviously the difficult times that we were all going through. And sort of as a result of that, I've, I've been involved in various little bits of research that they carry that they carry out and I guess being one of the sort of more experienced freelancers um, at some of the places I work at you know I hear stories from other freelancers they'll come to you for advice and things uh, on quite a regular basis and um, I think it's a genuine issue within the industry whereby you are just you know at the mercy of contracts, of, of production managers, of ever-changing environments. And no matter how well you might be doing your particular job that you're employed to do, uh, you know, things can still change very, very quickly. And obviously that leads to a lot of anxiety and um, other subsequent problems, I would think. For me personally, I'd say, yeah, I, I've definitely had anxiety over the years as a journalist. I wouldn't say that it's been overwhelming or that it's manifested into anything sort of really bad but I think naturally you go through periods of time where work might disappear and you're constantly sort of worrying about what the future might hold and I think the industry has gone through some real changes in recent years and you know my big fear of being certainly post-pandemic people are looking at ways of doing things a little bit cheaper and you know obviously working from home and technology and things like that have enabled us to, to work remotely now. But I think sometimes that can be at the detriment of good television and good production, which is a real shame if that's compromised because the knock-on effect then is for the people doing the jobs, there's not as much work there. So it is quite a difficult time. And that's why, sort of going back to the beginning, I find safety in numbers is the best. And maybe, you know, this is my third bit of advice for people is have that safety in numbers because... As I say, I'm a journalist, but I could define myself as a producer or as a commentator, as a voiceover, as a documentary maker, as a lecturer. I do all of those things. But that's because if you're versatile, you keep getting work. So if I can do one day a week as a commentator and one day a week as a producer and one day a week as a voiceover, that's three days of work I've got in the bag. So I think you have to have that versatility to be able to, to carry out different roles. No, that's a wonderful piece of advice. I can definitely see a book in the works, to be honest, for your future. There's so much. Yeah, I can only buy it. But on that note, what what are you working on now? What sort of next for you? So at the moment, I am hopefully by the time this even goes out or in the next couple of weeks there's a podcast series that I'm going to have to be quite cryptic about it which sounds very contrite but uh, (laughs) it's just literally in the process of being signed off at the moment and so being the superstitious person that I am I don't want to jinx anything but if that comes off (laughs) that sorts me out for the next six months otherwise I'm you know the voiceover work this season I've been doing a lot more of that with sport voiceover I started doing voiceover work more seriously two or three years ago and that's now sort of escalated so I'm, I'm covering about three or four different football leagues now doing that so that's been really good and I really enjoy that and then the, the football commentary is still sort of ongoing through the season and then back to the university again this summer which I love the nine weeks that I have at the university lecturing a because it's on my doorstep so I can go for a pint at yeah, uh, my local yeah. pub after mm-hmm. I finish uh, 
finish mm-hmm. my work, which doing shift work as I do at Sky and places like that, often you don't get that opportunity because you work until midnight. That's it, just waiting for the next opportunity to come, really. Often it's a waiting game, but when you least expect it, something shows up. So, yeah, at this moment in time for the next few days, I'm just keeping everything crossed that the, the podcast thing does come off. And then, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be quite an exciting project to work on for the next few months. That's wonderful. The fact that you're you're extremely versatile, it definitely shows. And I think that's definitely a huge lesson that people should um, take from this podcast. So for people then who just are looking to know more about who you are and where they can reach you, can you talk to us about where they can find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Cy underscore Watts, W-A-T-T-S. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I don't know what my LinkedIn thing is, but I don't know. I guess if you search Cy and Watts or something, it might pop up on there. And uh, yeah, my I don't, I don't really do Facebook and Instagram as much, to be honest. So those are the two that you can find me on there. Uh, and then, yeah, if you're watching the if you watch the EFL on Quest highlight show, you might hear me on there on a Saturday evening or talk sport chatting about lower league football at some point during the week. And as I say, hopefully, hopefully some of these podcasts uh, in the not too distant future as well, if all goes well. Thank you so much, Simon, for being on the podcast. You've been great. And thank you for providing all of this sort of information and advice. Likewise. Absolutely. And yeah, good luck for for the podcast and all your ventures. I love listening to the one last week as well. So uh, I'm learning a lot from listening to other inspirational, far more inspirational people than me. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing a few more of those. So yeah, thank you very much for inviting me on. If you love this episode, it would be a great help if you'd head over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a review. Share across your socials with the hashtag I love what I do. And of course, don't forget to share with anyone that you know that would benefit from this episode because I want you all to love what you do and live doing what you love. Until next time, world.